Welcome to Associated, a podcast making venture capital more accessible. My name is Francesca and I'm joined today by the lovely Lois. How are you? Hello, very well, thank you. How was your day? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. I am actually just admiring your plants um, behind you. They are fantastic. They're ever growing. Every time we record an episode, I've got a new one. I know, I haven't spotted so many before. I've got a new cheese plant if you're interested. A cheese plant. Mm. Yeah, what? they're supposed to have holes in. Yeah, oh, like maliciously okay. <laughs> used with holes in them. Um, ah. Actually, the one that I got has got no holes. <laughs> maybe if they mature, they get holes. <laughs> yeah, or maybe I've been scammed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we won't be scamming our listeners today because very excited to welcome both Jessica Tan and Kate Seleditz. From 500 Startups, calling in from San Francisco and Canada. Hi, hi everyone. Thank you so much for having us today. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm aware that 500 Startups has European presence, but it would be great to get an overview of of what you guys do and, you know, basically the the pitch, as it were, be great to have from you guys. Sure, absolutely. I can start. So yeah, 500 Startups is a global early stage uh, VC fund and accelerator. So we are industry and geographic agnostic. We invest in companies around the world and we mainly invest in early stage, pre-seed, seed stage companies. So usually when we make an investment decision, the companies go through our um, accelerator program. And on top of that, we also have uh, a broad ecosystem network where we run accelerator programs um, all over the world as well. Yeah, and just to add to what Kate said, uh, we have what we call the thematic fund model where we operate kind of like an umbrella organization of 500 at large, but underneath the umbrella, we have um, specific funds that run like their own entity. So... We, for example, have a fund in Turkey, in MENA, Latin America, Southeast Asia, Korea, and many more. And the idea is to have boots on the ground in these regions so that they have the local expertise to make investments in those particular geographic locations. Um, Super cool. And in terms of how you run the Accelerator program, what does that look like? Is it periodic or is it now more on a case-by-case basis what does the structure look like historically um, we've had two batches a year with 30 to 40 companies each batch but after evaluating our model just a few months ago we actually decided to revamp our structure and move to a rolling admissions basis what this means is we have no application deadlines application is open all year long and we will be making investments essentially every month. What that means about the program itself is that previously it's more of a what we call like a Chinese buffet program where you (laughs) pick and choose what you want and what is relevant to your company at that point. But what we found today is that Companies have very specific needs, and depending on their stage and business model, uh, we have to provide something more unique. 
So with this rolling acceptance structure, the program is still four months, but we'll simply have new companies at the top of each month. And the content itself is more tailored based on the company's business model and kind of the milestones that they want to hit. So more specifically, a company will have a one-to-one match uh, with their growth coach or EIR. And this is basically the bread and butter of the program where on a weekly basis, they go through their metrics, they run tests and experiments to find the best marketing channels, create a sales strategy, uh, reduce CAC, and so on and so forth to focus on growth and scaling the company. And the company will also be paired with their investment lead to help with strategy, fundraising, and overall just keep them on track with their goals. And on top of that, um, certainly they have access to our um, mentor network, just 200 plus mentors, as well as our uh, 2,400 portfolio company. Can I just ask a quick question on the application process? Like, what is that like for founders to go through? Uh, yeah, so now with this new format and structure of the program, the companies can apply at any time when they feel they are ready. And in order to apply for the program, yes, our applications are now open all year round. Any early stage, as I mentioned before, pre-seed seed stage company can go to our website, 500.co slash apply. And uh, you can fill out the application and then our investment team will review the application and will invite companies for the round of interviews. And uh, then after a certain due diligence process, the company either gets accepted or receives feedback what they need to achieve in order to get accepted. Great. And how do your roles fit into the accelerator program? Sure, I, I can start uh, giving a little bit of uh, background. <laughs> so I'm originally from Ukraine. So um, I was on the team uh, where we launched the first business accelerator in Ukraine at that point. And before we actually launched it, our investors and partners, they sent us to Silicon Valley to kind of go explore and meet with the best accelerators in the world. And um, lucky enough, the first people and accelerator we got introduced to was 500 startups, actually. So we were super inspired by the idea and business model and strategy behind this accelerator. So when we got back to Ukraine, we launched our accelerator and the model was very similar. And uh, moreover, a lot of 500 people investment team, they, they would come to Ukraine to mentor our companies and meet with them. And also part of the program was, uh, which I was actually running, um, was to bring our, our portfolio companies who currently go through Accelerator to Silicon Valley for a month of internship. That's how I kind of got my footprint into the U.S. market in Silicon Valley. And then after running the program for a while, I realized that, yes, I really, I really love working with many founders, a lot of startups, love helping them, providing resources, connections, etc. 
But I realized for me, in order to become like, you know, more successful in that regard, I want to get that um, operational experience myself. So I decided to join a startup, you know, to get that experience. And uh, one of our portfolio companies uh, who went with me to Silicon Valley at some point for the internship, they raised money. They decided that their market is actually in the U.S. So they decided to relocate to San Francisco and they invited me to join their team, help them with business development and fundraising. And that's how I moved to San Francisco. I became a co-founder at that company. It was an online education startup. And then later on, I again, it was calling me, you know, I wanted to get back to, to the point when I have an opportunity to work with a lot of startups, entrepreneurs around the world, providing my support and help. And that's how I joined 500. Um, it was over four and a half years ago. At first, I joined their business development and global events team. And then later on, I was managing our flagship accelerator program in the Bay Area. And I'm currently on the investment team. Amazing. And Jess, over to you now. We'd love to hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. So similar to Kate, I'm also uh, part of the investment team at 500. Quick background on myself. I was born in Indonesia and raised by an entrepreneurial family where my dad founded a few tech startups with some exits in his portfolio and mom owns a casual dining restaurant in Jakarta. Having witnessed entrepreneurship on the sidelines, so to speak, it ignited a lot of interest for me from early on. And it got to a point where right before I started college, I started a small startup in the digital health space uh, to help contain dengue fever in the greater area of Jakarta. When I went to Northwestern for university in Chicago, that entrepreneurial mindset continued to stick with me. And I got highly involved with entrepreneurship during those four years in college. So I led Northwestern's entrepreneurship student-run organization called Epic. I was the first Northwestern venture partner at Contrary Capital, which is a venture fund backed by founders of Tesla and Reddit uh, and a number of other household names that identifies top talent from university and invest in companies that they join or start. In my junior year of college, I worked at an early stage energy startup in Chicago as well. And that kind of gave me a lot of insights into one side of the entrepreneurial ecosystem, which piqued my curiosity to explore the other side, which is investing in these high growth companies. So through networking around, I actually landed an internship at 500. So at that time, I was a program ops associate. And this was the summer before my senior year. And really quickly, I saw the ins and outs of working at 500, you know, what their mission and vision is, and how they run as a fund. I, I was thankful to receive a full-time offer and decided to take it. And so I came back to 500 right after graduating from university. But my first role at 500 was more on the portfolio management side. And at that time, I was processing um, you know, post-investment transactions. And so every time a company raises a financing round, dissolves, or when they exit through a merger acquisition, there was a number of diligence that you need to do. And that way, I gained a lot of insights into the mechanics of ABC. 
which helped me around a year ago transition into the more formal investments associate role where I scout, source, and conduct diligence on new deals. More recently, um, I found the pleasure of being able to be the investment lead for the companies that we bring in as well, where we both work closely with them and mentor them throughout the accelerator program and beyond. And having been at 500 for almost three years, um, I've had the opportunity to see firsthand the full life cycle of a deal from when we first scouted the company to mentoring them through the accelerator until they undergo a variety of exits. So uh, very grateful for the opportunity and excited to work with more great founders and great businesses. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think Jess will agree with me. That's why 500 is really amazing about, you know, discovering the talent and um, helping them to accelerate to the next level. Mm. Super interesting that you've got such different stories to get to the same. I'm just curious from both of you, what was it that made you want to move over to the investment side of things? Sure. Um, for me, for example, so as I mentioned, I went through different teams at 500 and got different experience. So after running the accelerator program itself, it's also like I was able to be a part of screening companies, interviewing them, onboarding, providing support during the program, and then being part of portfolio management team, providing support after they graduate you know, from the accelerator. So at that point, I felt like, okay, I've seen enough. I helped enough. I worked with many startups and I'm actually ready, you know, uh, to accelerate to the next level. I want to look for those companies. I want to discover that talent. I want to find uh, great entrepreneurs and help them get into our program and um, get like all the benefits that helps them to scale and accelerate to the next level quicker. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, when I wanted to explore the other side of the entrepreneurship ecosystem of investing in these high growth companies, I think there's a lot of roles in a VC, especially VCs like 500 that operates more as like a platform model. There's a lot of roles that provide a lot of value to founders, but there's nothing more hands-on than being able to find them, invest in them and work very, very closely with them to support their growth. And so uh, I've always, you know, wanted to just be very closely part of the investment team and working with these founders and seeing them grow on a week-to-week basis during the program and kind of letting them off to the world, so to speak, to fundraise for the next round and see how they grow from there. So I love how hands-on that the investment team is with these founders and their businesses, and um, I've always wanted to be a part of it, so... All right, cool. So like since the the purpose of this podcast is about broadening access to VC and and trying to give people who want to get into the industry a bit of an insight, um, if you had any advice based on the journeys that you guys have taken and the people that you know, what would that be for people who are trying to get a foot in the door? Sure, I can start. I think for me is one, being open and being not afraid, trying new things, experimenting. Like recently, um, I got connected to someone who came to ask for an advice, um, said like, oh, you know, I'm mentoring informally so many startups around the world, uh, but I don't know, like, how can I formally apply that knowledge and that skill as a full-time job, for example? And like, why don't you apply for an accelerator? You can manage the program and work with a lot of founders. 
And she said, but I don't have an MBA. I don't think anyone will hire me. And like, again, I don't have an MBA either, but because I'm passionate about this industry, I love working with founders and I believe it's possible, you know, uh, with the right type of personality and, you know, right type of network. And that kind of brings me to the next point. I think network is key. Uh, so especially now during this uh, remote kind of era, <laughs> uh, it's very easy and so many people are open to, you know, hop on a call and share feedback and introduce you to the right people. And um, even like past podcasts, I really appreciate what you guys do. Like your interview and associates, like many times <laughs> we hear that, um, you know, a lot of feedback and articles and, and uh, resources are shared by venture partners, like more senior people on the investment team. It's amazing to actually hear from associates how they got into it um, and like, you know, to build this strong network of support for each other. Kate, I second everything that you say. I'd like to offer kind of a slightly different perspective in terms of advice. If you are thinking of getting into VC, um, I would encourage you to really understand what the work is like at VC because a lot of the time people think that you know, being an investor is this glamorous job where you can kind of pick and choose companies you want to invest in. And, you know, it's a job that I know a lot of people think is attractive, but I like to mention a few things where you know, actually BC is not all that glamorous. One, you are responsible for someone else's money and you have a fiduciary duty to your LPs to make returns through your chosen investments. Even though you may not be a decision maker as an associate, you still carry this big sense of responsibility. Two, the real work actually starts after the company gets funded. Picking companies can seem really fun uh, where you can choose where to deploy that capital. And you know, some investment processes can be gruesome because you have to internally sell the deal and convince partners and general partners that that's the horse that they need to back today. But after fighting to bring that deal to the finish line, that's where the real work actually begins because you have to work with them very closely to ensure that they're using your capital wisely they're growing at the rate that you want them to grow in. And with 500, you actually have to work with them for the four months that they're in the program, meeting them on a week-to-week -week basis and uh, really understanding their metrics and everything about their business to make sure that you can help them scale. And GPs have very high expectations for that, uh, yet you are not the CEO of the company. You can't dictate their business. So it's a different art of coaching and mentorship that's required. And last but not least, I'll mention that VC is playing the long game. You don't know that you're successful until years down the line. So this is not a quick one-year gig and you can career hop because building a successful portfolio takes years, if not decades, to know whether the companies that you chose are actually going to become a billion-dollar company. So my advice is really understanding the job before jump shipping. Um, there's a lot of books, videos, internships, more importantly, podcasts like this one to help you understand what the industry is about before making the leap. Obviously, I love um, what we're doing right now, especially with 500. And so I would encourage any people out there who have the skills and the interest and the talent for it. And this is a job where you can learn a lot on the job. And so 
sometimes you don't necessarily have to be a prior investment associate to become a, an investment associate in another fund. And so definitely encourage everyone to look into it, but wanted to offer some insights you know, that this is not always all that glamorous as a lot of people um, showcase uh, it as. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really valuable insight. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. And there's very rightly asked sort of what the support that you give your existing portfolio. But I'm quite interested in what are the kind of strategies and tools you use to scout for suitable startups that might want to come onto the program? And how has that changed given the circumstances that we're in now? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So there are different ways for us to get access to a good deal flow. One um, of our main um, application form that is available on our website. So a lot of companies from any part of the world can go ahead and fill out the application. And I think uh, the second important source is actually our portfolio companies themselves, right? So we have um, a lot of great portfolio companies who refer their startup friends to us and I think this is the best one of the best referrals we can get because they've been already through our program they know the process they know how it works they know what type of companies would benefit the most and what type of companies are the the best for the program itself Um, so I think that's another um, really amazing source that we have And of course, um, other investors and mentors, right, with whom we stay in touch all the time, talking about different deals, stages, they refer companies, let's say, Series A investors would reach out saying like, okay, I just talked to the company who is amazing, but a little too early for us. It would be actually great if they go through your accelerator, which will help them to expedite the growth so they are ready for Series A sooner and we can join at that point. And vice versa, um, a lot of companies who went through our accelerator, right, they're ready to accelerate and raise next round of funding. So we reach out to the Series A investors and we say like, okay, this is the company I would refer to you. Take a look. And they appreciate that as well. So it's constant collaboration and communication within the network of founders, investors and mentors. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think you're really fortunate to have, as you said, 2,400 portfolio companies. So unlike other VCs, where typically they're much, much smaller, it's not such a big pool to get referrals from. So great that you're taking full advantage of that avenue. And I was just saying, in, in terms of the situation now, given covid have you changed your strategy or are you getting less uh, people applying for the program or less referrals just because of how mad the situation is? Or have you refocused your workflow in different areas in, in terms of you know, supporting the portfolio more? Yeah, that's a great question. And we found that because we're fortunate enough to still be deploying capital uh, on a month-to-month basis today and we're actively looking for companies, we are one of those VCs where it's very much full steam ahead when it comes to new deals. But Kate and I have talked about this a lot, but we feel like we are busiest as ever right now because not only we're looking for new deals, but we're also taking care of our portfolio companies. And we've seen quite a big spectrum there of companies that are seeing an uptick in demand because they are providing solutions that are more beneficial or attractive during this shelter-in-place period. 
Yet, unfortunately, we've seen a number of companies that are struggling um, during this time just based on current circumstances. And what one of our GPs, Tony, has produced is kind of a, a framework that we're currently using to assess the impact of COVID on various sectors. This doesn't really mean that we're not investing in certain sectors and investing more in others, but we kind of need a framework of thinking to be able to assess when we meet a company, where does this company lie in our quadrant and what does this mean when we mentor them going forward? Because it definitely changes the milestones that they're trying to hit going, uh, in the next few months. So you know, a quick look at this framework that we're talking about is how positive or negative COVID is in that current sector, as well as the duration of impact. So is it short term or is it long term? So if you kind of think of it as, you know, you have the negative and positive on one axis, and then you have the short term or long term on the other axis, you produce four different quadrants. So if COVID has a positive impact, but it's only short term, then it creates kind of these types of companies that are extremely impactful and valuable in the current time period, but it likely will not be lasting post-COVID-19, and some of these usage will not be um, as valuable. On the other hand, though, if it is a positive impact but has long-term impact, it is in what we call the accelerated future quadrant, where these are verticals or sectors that are kind of seeing um, their growth further accelerated by COVID. So it could be sectors like healthcare, um, productivity tools, education, entertainment, even logistics or supply chain. On the other hand, if it's negatively impacted by COVID in the short term, it's simply put on pause. You know, we see that things like oil and gas will come back, right? But it's even public or private transportation right now is in a slowdown, but we see that they're going to come back post-COVID. But if this negative impact is you know, kind of continuing for the long run, um, then that means that we're looking at sectors that have a new normal. And so things like retail or hospitality, food and beverage, a lot of the way we interact with these verticals will change. And is all, we're already seeing it change right now. And so thinking about it in these quadrants in terms of length of impact and type of impact can help us kind of hone in a little bit better into what we want to invest in right now, especially in light of the fact that we don't know what society will look like, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months from now. Yeah. And um, if anyone is interested um, in learning more about this framework, it's actually publicly available on our blog post which is 500.co slash blog so feel free to check it out cool and we'll link to that um on our notion page as well so if any listeners are on our notion page of resources we'll include a link i was just wondering based off of that kind of framework are there any key themes that the two of you are particularly interested or have you know theories on for the future my personal interest is within um digital health space also, uh, future of work is super exciting and interesting topic to me right now. And um, another one is more like geo-based. I'm a big supporter of uh, the ecosystem of Eastern Europe, and I would love to see more of them um, as part of our accelerator program. 
Yeah, for me, I mean, similar to Kate, because we're early stage investors, we are forced to be uh, more of a generalist and have a know-how uh, and exposure to all kinds of sectors. But personally, uh, I've been um, very bullish on the future of work, even before COVID, just understanding how, where, on when people work, and providing tools that help us work more efficiently and better. That's one sector. The second one is food tech, not necessarily the change in food itself, but more on the platforms that make food accessible. I've been really interested in that. Um, and last but not least, education has been playing in my head a lot, especially because I have two younger brothers who are just currently going through high school. How do we keep kids today engaged in their education and how do we provide the best education, especially when everything is going remote? And I think education is also such a wide vertical because you have K to 12, you have higher education, you also have adult education. And now that a lot of people um, are shifting their careers left and right, education is something that everyone continuously needs. No, absolutely. And you know, what, what I like about both of you is, as Lois said, you guys have quite different backgrounds and have come together with this role. How do you support each other in your role? Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have a colleague like Kate. I think we've done a good job in keeping each other, uh, not just accountable, but just, just supporting each other um, throughout the day-to-day. -day. And so uh, every time I see a new deal that I think there's something there, but I'm not quite sure. And I ping it over to Kate and she does the same with me. And we kind of bounce off of each other and just talk about deals. And I think well, I found a lot of value in doing the same thing with you know, the, the principals and partners on the team too. Kate and I specifically, I think we've kind of grown in our role together in many ways and in just really understanding you know, what is this role in a 500 because it is an investment assist it can mean different things and different funds you know we've kind of discovered together uh, you know, how to work on deals together for example we just brought in a new company that both of us are going to lead together um, so there's a lot of collaboration that happens and as a result you know you just learn off of each other very quickly on a day-to-day -day basis yeah absolutely agree and just wanted to add a little bit to what jessica mentioned in addition to us working closely and supporting each other and i think um the rest of the investment team members are doing a great job as well, including general partners with like hosting weekly meetings with us, talking about deals, answering any questions, give, providing feedback, having one-on-ones with us. That's really helpful as well. And like recently, I took a course organized by 500 Startups in partnership with Berkeley University. We run a lot of educational programs for investors and founders and accelerators managers this particular one was VC Unlocked where it was one week long program where we were working and talking a lot and meeting with different industry experts um, who were sharing knowledge about how you negotiate deals, how cup tables work, how deal terms work and all of that. That's also great and helpful resource that 500 has as well. That's amazing. And I also got informed offline that there is something else that catches your eye, Jess, when you come over to Kate's table other than her advice and support. <laughs> yes. 
I, I would say that chocolate has been a big part of what keeps us sane on a day to day. Yes. <laughs> and she definitely has the endless supply of chocolates at her desk. Amazing. And Kate, what's on Jess's desk? <laughs> Constant support and friendship and advice. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the food? <laughs> I go to Kate for for the snacks. <laughs> oh, I see. One way road. Uh, <laughs> Chocolateville, amazing. Uh, we also have uh, kind of happy hours with Jessica. Where oh, we that's fun. Chocolate remotely and talk about deals and stuff. <laughs> that's nice. So it's like we need to connect Kate to um, to Magda from last week. Yes, we certainly do. I was just thinking maybe if we do merch in the future, it could be chocolate. Oh, like yeah, nice, like handcrafted little chocolate bars. Amazing. And actually, I believe uh, I didn't ask. What is the actual ticket size that you guys invest in? Yeah. So we, uh, I think Kate briefly mentioned this, but we invest in pre-seed to seed stage. And I know there's a great variety there within those two stages, but uh, our standard check for the flagship accelerator is 150K for 6%, less some program fees. Um, However, this is different depending on if the companies directly go towards our thematic funds because they operate like their own entity and they have their own terms. But for the flagship accelerator, that's our standard deal. Cool. Good to know. And actually, that leads us quite nicely on to question time because the question that you guys have picked is a person who is just starting out their startup. So this is from Jameson. And he asks, in VC, we often hear that investors look more at a good team than the idea. What concretely are some of those qualities that a team must display in their application in order to both A, attract the attention of the VC and B, seal the deal? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's actually true. As we invest in the early stage companies, right? At that point, team is the most important factor, resource, founder. We all know that over the time, the business model can change. The company can go through many pivots and everything. The strategy itself can change. What hopefully won't change is the founding team. That's why it's so, so important when we are evaluate the companies we first of all evaluate founders um and um again like because it's not just an investment that we make but they also go through four months long accelerator program then on top of you know managing and growing their businesses they go through the program they connect with so many different people they attend so many different you know networking events and workshops and all kinds of events it requires a special skills because constantly like every day you meet with so many different people and mentors and investors and our team and our founders it's very important that as a founder you're very coachable and open-minded right because every person you meet with will be sharing their opinions and advice and as a founder you're the one who is responsible and like making the right decision the right call what advice to take what not but uh it's extremely important that you're open to all their suggestions and recommendations right because these people they're voluntarily are willing to help you right so it's important that the 
teams and, and founders are very open to receive that advice. But then the next step is very important to evaluate and take an action, decide like what advice to take or what advice to kind of like appreciate for advice, but not necessarily take an action in it. But at the same time, um, it's kind of a red flag when the founder, you know, is taking parts in all of the events and all office hours and all the workshops. It means like, what, when do you have time to actually work on your business, right? So it's very important for founders as well to be responsible and understand what's right for your business, what's right for your team and what's not. Yeah, Kate, I think you mentioned a lot of good things there. A couple of things that came to my mind, probably the the biggest thing for me when I look for founders is their ability to win resources. And resources can mean talent, meaning and being able to hire uh, people to create a well-balanced team of someone who can sell, who can make sure the tech is sound and who can make sure the product is of high quality. Um, but it could also mean capital. Um, and in the early stages, obviously, capital might not be of abundance. But being able to just have a number of angel checks on your cap table or to have a number of advisors to kind of say that, hey, once you get to this stage, I'm willing to invest. These are all signals that show you are able to pull resources together and make your idea work. One thing uh, I wanted to add to the point of uh, having it being the right leader, right? Because again, we are talking about early stage companies and uh, most likely like it's a small team of founders, small team of employees and you as a CEO, it's super important to be that inspirational leader, you know, who can clearly deliver the goals for the company. Like, yes, now we have super limited resources. We are super lean team, but if we work together, we know exactly where we want to be, what goal to achieve. And I'm as a leader, inspire, you know, the team to, to work hard and grow together in order to, to achieve that goal. Yeah, this word gets thrown around a lot, um, but being kind of a cult leader, not just for your team, but for your customers too. So creating an organization for the long haul means that you have followers, people who are incredibly bought into your vision and mission. And being able to create that, I think, is really important from the early stages because that will carry over to other parts of your business in the long run. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really valuable insight into um, the kind of things that you're thinking about and that you know your peers will also be thinking about when you're meeting teams and looking at new companies. So really appreciate that. Thank you both so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to share the mic with you. If any of our listeners want to get in touch about a deal or if they just want to follow you, where can they find you? Where are you on the internet? Yeah, would love to uh, stay in touch um, and get connected with anyone who is interested in learning more and exchanging experience. Um, you can find me easily on LinkedIn as Kate Saladets and my email is kate at 500.co. Yeah, you can reach me at Jessica Tan at 500.co or also find me on Twitter at Jessie H. Tan. And to the associated team, thank you so much for having us. This was so fun. And it's a pleasure being here. Loved it. Thank you so much.
Not at all. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in to Associated. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter. We're at Associated underscore pod. Uh, you can get all our updates on there about the latest guests, latest episodes. And if you have any other feedback or you want to get in touch, you can send us an email on associatedpodcast at gmail.com. So please do subscribe, leave us a rating, whatever, wherever you're listening to these podcasts. And we will see you next week. 